Namp side. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, worship team. Give them a hand. Praise God. What a good job tonight. Good worship. Good music. Amen. Okay. Amen. Well, do you have a Bible tonight? You want to get a little bit of the Word tonight and let me minister a little bit? I'm a little tired after this morning, and I did not get a nap today. So, man, isn't that something? So I'm, uh, I'm getting a second wind here in a minute. But ha- take your Bibles tonight and open them to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Amen. I'm so glad my mom named me Ricky. Praise God. The book. <laughs> these some of these <laughs> some of these names in that Old Testament, but uh, the prophet Habakkuk in chapter number three. I'm going to read two verses tonight that are very familiar. Uh, I've ministered on these verses before, but I got a, another little thought here tonight to share with you from uh, Habakkuk chapter three. And verse number 17 and verse number 18. Amen. And uh, he says this, Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I love that word there, yet, in the face of all of this, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Praise God. And I want to talk to you on the simple thought tonight of when praise doesn't make sense. When praise doesn't make sense. Father, thank you for this wonderful time in your presence here this evening. I pray that you will help us to minister your word tonight, to share what you've laid upon my heart to give to your people and open our hearts to receive this word tonight to be a blessing to us in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen we all know tonight I think we are all aware of the fact that life comes with built-in problems isn't that right I mean none of us None of us are getting through life without facing some troubles and having some hardship, going through some difficulties and pain. I mean, life is not, um, as one, uh, one minister said it many, many times, it's not just floating through life. You're not going to float through life on flowery beds of ease. There is some hardship and pain that comes along with life, suffering is a part of life in various different ways. Sometimes, and as Brother Andy read the scriptures from Isaiah 43 tonight, you know, sometimes you're in the flood and sometimes you're in the fire. Amen. But regardless of whether you're in the fire or in the flood, 
God's there with you, and he's going to bring you through the fire, and he'll bring you through the flood, and it will not overflow you, and you'll not be burned. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop. How many likes to be on the mountaintop? Amen. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop like Elijah calling fire down from heaven and seeing God move in a mighty way. And then sometimes you're in the cave hoping Jezebel don't find out where you're at. Amen. (laughs) That's what happens in life. There are some things that happen to us in life and things that we deal with in life and things that we go through in life simply because we're in this world. And Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago about the lady that came up to a preacher in a prayer line and asked that he would lay hands on her and pray for her that she wouldn't have any more trouble, uh, any more trouble with the devil, any more trouble in life. And he said, well, you want me to pray that God just go ahead and take you on to heaven? And uh, because he said, as long as you're in this world, you're going to deal with problems and you're going to deal with trouble just simply because that we're here in a fallen world. This world is a world that's in darkness and this world is opposed to believers and Jesus said that as long as you're in this world you shall have tribulation so just because we're in the world we're going to face difficulties in life and and uh, you know the, the the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world doesn't mean that he's divine or deity he's not but it's a little g god but he uh he rules and uh, he's the prince he's the power of the air and uh, the prince of darkness and so we being in this world face problems and trials Uh, But also, there are things that come our way that are not just because we're in the world, but there are things that happen to us that are demonic in nature. That Satan himself, our fallen angels, our demon spirits bring to us. There are attacks that come to us that are straight out of hell. Now, you know, Christians, we deal sometimes with uh, with demon spirits. You cannot be demon-possessed, but there is demon oppression that comes against us and we can as believers be vexed by evil spirits but that's why we have to uh, that's why we have to take up the full armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil um, you know it was Peter that said that we are to be sober and to be vigilant because we have an adversary our adversary the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Jesus said that the enemy he referred to him as a thief amen then and Jesus said that the thief comes to do what to kill he comes to steal and he comes to destroy and you know you know God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today that God's not doing amen God's not do God's not causing people to shoot little kids in schools and God's not sending tornadoes through different states and destroying people's homes and lives there are works of the enemy amen the thief the Bible says Jesus himself said it's the thief that comes to do those things to kill and to steal and to destroy and so we face demonic attacks we face problems in life just because we are in the world thank God we're not of the world but we are still in the world but because of that 
there will be times in our life when we go through things, uh, we, will, we will see, it will seem like, and I don't know if any of you all have ever felt this way or not, when you're experiencing a particular circumstance or situation in your life where praising God just doesn't seem to make any sense. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying or implying at all that praise, there's anything wrong with praise or that, we, or, or, uh, you know, that, that praise is a bad thing because praising God is a good thing as we'll find out. But when we're facing certain circumstances in life, sometimes praise just doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't make any sense. The flesh, the flesh and, and our carnal mind goes against praising God many times because it says, you know, we, we think, well, why should I praise God? Look what I'm going through. And a lot of people get that kind of a mindset. And there's times you go through stuff that you feel like doing anything but praising God. How many has ever been there? You, you, you go through situations in life where you would rather complain than praise. And sometimes we do fall into that where we do complain instead of praise. But nevertheless, praise, even when it does doesn't make sense is something that we need to do. Now, when you uh, talk about making sense of something, to make sense, and you, you, you use that statement, say, well, you know, you know this, this just doesn't make sense. It seems to me like I'm using that phrase a lot lately. You know, it just, Lord, this just doesn't make sense to me. Why? And, you know, when, when, and, and there's things that happen in life, and there's things we go to. I preached on it a few weeks ago that are unexplainable and things that don't make sense. But to make sense of something means that, that it's understandable and it's logical and it's reasonable. And there's a lot of things that we face in life that are not logical and are not reasonable and are not understandable. And I think that's why the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not to lean on our own understanding. And that's what we have to do many, many times. Now the prophet uh, Habakkuk was going through something here in his life and um, was facing a situation that made no sense to him. He is standing here in this text. When we read this text to you, uh, he's standing in the midst of chaos. He's facing a time of loss. He's going through a time of emptiness and confusion and disappointment. He's talking about some things that uh, may come to pass or may happen. And uh, he said the fig tree, you know, I mean he said the fig tree may not blossom and the fruit may not be in the vine. In other words, the grapevines may fail. We may not have a grape crop this year. The labor of the olive shall fail, and all of the olive trees will fail to produce olives. The fields will yield no meat, and the flocks will be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herd in the stalls. So he's saying there's some things that could come our way or could possibly happen that we could face that would uh, be, you know, that would bring disappointment into our life. Something, but, but, but when he's standing here in this midst of emptiness and confusion, in the middle of that, right in the middle of that, Habakkuk did something that sent shockwaves through hell and something that gets the applause and the attention of heaven. And we read what that was. When he's standing in the middle of this time of confusion and disappointment, he said, you know what? It really doesn't matter what I go through or what happens. Maybe these things will happen and maybe they won't. But 
but it may be that they will. And if they do, I'm still going to praise the Lord. Even if it doesn't make any sense, even if, 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 if it, it seems like that it's not the right thing to do, he said, in spite of it all, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will glory and rejoice in the God of my salvation. And what Habakkuk was saying was, I've decided, I've made a decision, I made up my mind that I'm going to praise God even when it doesn't make sense. Can I get an amen tonight? I think that's a decision we all need to make. Habakkuk was saying, I will not let my feelings or my emotions take over. He was saying, I refuse to go into depression. And here's the thing that a lot of Christians even get involved in. They fall over and go over into depression. But, but Habakkuk is saying, I'm not going to allow myself to get to that place. I will not allow myself, Habakkuk says, to become angry with God when things come my way that I don't understand. I'll not allow myself to accuse God of being unfair or uncaring. I'm just not going to go there. But I'm going to do what David did. No matter what's going on, I will just encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to put on the garment. Here's what Habakkuk is saying. I'm going to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and just go ahead and praise the Lord and sing hallelujah you anyhow. He was saying I'm going to bless the Lord with all my soul and with all that is within me and I'm going to praise him in the morning and I'm going to praise him in the noontime and I'm going to praise him when the sun goes down. Hallelujah. I'm going to let my mouth be filled with his praise and that ladies and gentlemen is a decision that every one of us will have to make. We can either complain because that's what makes sense that's what makes sense when everything's turned upside down. Well, let's gripe. Let's have a grumble session. Praise God. That, that's what makes sense. But we've got to make up our mind. You know what I think I'll do? I think I'll do what doesn't make any sense. And I will just go ahead and praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord. Even if I don't feel like it, I will praise him anyhow. Come on, give the Lord a praise tonight. Amen. And you know, the church, the church is filled with uh, pretty praisers. Huh? You know what a pretty praiser is? Uh, they praise the Lord when everything's pretty. They praise the Lord when, when the sun is shining, when everything's pretty in life. They're, uh, you know, we've referred to them in the past as fair-weather Christians. When everything's going good, they want to they'll praise the Lord. I mean, when all the bills are paid and when they're good health, feeling good in their body and their kids are living right and they've got money in the bank and they've got money to pay their bills uh, and everything's going good and everything in life is pretty, then they're quick to praise the Lord. They're quick to testify, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They come to church and shout and praise the Lord. Oh, everything is 
is good. Amen. Everything is great. And that's wonderful. We need to do that. But you know, it doesn't take much faith and it doesn't take much effort to praise God when everything's going good. Anybody can praise God when the sun is shining and the sky is blue and the devil's a million miles away and everything's going good. Anybody can pray. If you can't praise God when all's going good, then you really, really got an issue. <laughs> Amen. But because it, it doesn't take much faith, it doesn't take much effort to praise the Lord when everything's great. And we must, we should give thanks to Him in those times because it makes sense. Doesn't it make sense when God has blessed you to, to praise the Lord? I mean, I can't think of any, you know, any, uh, any sin that is, as, that is as bad, you know, for a Christian as the sin of ingratitude. When Jesus healed those ten lepers, only one came back to give thanks. And Jesus made mention of that. He said, weren't there, weren't there ten cleansed, if I'm counting right? And only one's come back to give me thanks. So, you know, we need to be thanking God for what he's done for us. Amen. We should give praise to him in the good times because it makes good sense. But what really, come on now, I'm, I'm starting to feel something here. What really gets heaven's attention? What really paralyzes hell? What really gets on, the, you know, it's, what, what really gets on the devil's nerves like fingernails on a chalk, going down a chalkboard? That's, that's what it's like to the enemy. What really bothers him is not so much pretty praise, but what really gets God's attention is ugly praise. Oh, come on now. What do you mean, Brother Rick? I never heard of any ugly praise. Praise the Lord. Well, ugly praise, ugly praise is a praise that doesn't make any sense. Ugly praise is a praise that is aggressive and undaunted by trouble. Hallelujah. And it's that ugly praise when we're praising God. Anybody can praise Him in the pretty times. Amen. And be a pretty praiser, but that takes a man or a woman with true faith that can praise and thank the Lord in the ugly times of life and praise Him, be an ugly praiser, amen. It gets God's attention. It gets the devil's attention. It paralyzes the forces of hell and it releases your faith like nothing else when you can praise the Lord in the ugly times of life when all hells broke loose and everything is turned upside down. Praise God. When you're in an ugly situation, when, when everything looks bad, praise when there's nothing pretty to praise. Praise God for just praise God anyhow. Come on, just praise Him anyhow. Woo! Amen. Amen. What is ugly? Now, don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> oh, ugly means something that's unpleasant to look at, something unattractive or displeasing in appearance. And that's what ugly praise is, giving praise in the ugly situation. And let me tell you something. When there's nothing pretty to praise God for, and that's what Habakkuk was doing. He was praising God when there wasn't anything pretty to praise God for. And let me tell you, God loves that kind of praise. 
God loves that kind of praise. You, you read in the Bible, man, you find out that God, oh, he got so angry with the children of Israel because there was times they should have been praised and all they could do was complain. And Paul even mentioned that in first, was it first Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul mentioned that and he said, don't be murmurs as some of them murmured and would destroy the, of the destroyer. Do you realize that murmuring and complaining opens the door to the enemy in our life it shows definitely shows of lack of faith when we murmur and complain but praise 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 always shows forth and demonstrates the faith of God and God loves that praise in ugly situations and God always responds to ugly praise can I get an amen maybe I should have titled this ugly praise <laughs> But when it doesn't make sense to praise in the ugly situations of life. You know, there's a lot of those ugly praisers in the Bible. Uh, Job was one of those. And uh, I, I won't take a whole lot of time to, to talk about Job because we've talked about him before. Everybody's familiar with his situation. But God said concerning Job and bragged on him, you know, to the devil and said that Job was a, was a perfect he was a perfect man. He was an upright man. He feared the Lord and he hated evil. But Job, he, he, Job faced and experienced a satanic attack. Is that right? You, we know that from the Bible, uh, that it's, it's revealed there. Now, Job did not have a Bible. Huh? He could not turn to the book of Job and say, oh, so that's what's going on in my situation. No, he didn't have that. Job is one of the oldest books actually written. And uh, Job, the time that Job lived was probably around the time of Abraham, somewhere in there. So it was, um, it was, it was before the law of Moses. It was before the canon of Scripture. It was before, it was definitely before the cross and before Jesus. And so there's a lot of things, you know, we try to apply a lot of things that happened to Job to our own personal life, but we're living in a different dispensation. And, and people need to realize something. And a lot of people are blaming God for things that God's not doing. And Job kindly got into that a little later on in the book of Job. But he suffered a satanic attack. And that thief that Jesus talked about came against Job, and he stole everything that he had. Now, the Bible says that Job was was a very rich, wealthy man. Uh, God had blessed him. It gives in the beginning there in the first chapter of Job, it talks about how many um, sheep he had, how many oxen he had, how many donkeys he had, how many camels he had, and all of the wealth that he had. And so he was a great man, the Scripture says, which means he was well off financially. But God had given him all that. God had blessed him with all of that. Amen. And God had put a hedge around him to protect him. But to make a long story short, we know how the thief broke through and got through the hedge. And the thief, the, the enemy, came through and stole everything that Job had. You read in the book of Job how that, you know, the, 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 uh, one of his servants come and said that the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were there. And, and um, you know, the, the Sabaeans came and they fell upon them. They took all of your oxen, all of your donkeys, killed all of your servants. 
months and I'm the only one left and I'm the one that's escaped to come and to give you this wonderful news. And then, you know, there was the camels and then while that servant, while that servant was speaking, the another one showed up. I mean, see, Satan had this all time where it's just one thing after another, one thing after another coming against Job. And while that servant speaking, another one comes and said, I was out there in the field and the, the uh, Chaldeans came and they took all of your camels away. Hallelujah. And they stole, they, they killed all of your, your servants and I'm the only one left. All of his sheep, another servant said, all of the sheep were grazing and the, the enemy came in and took the Amalekites, came and took all of the sheep and uh, then finally you know one servant came and said your sons and your daughter he had ten kids and he said your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest uh, brother's house and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a storm came a great cyclone a great wind came and tore the house down and they're all gone they're all dead they've all lost their life so I would say that Job is facing an ugly situation none of us have probably been through anything remotely like Job has suffered and went through to lose all of his wealth to lose all of his material possessions to lose all of his crops and then to lose his ten children and he's got ten, uh, ten, uh, ten, ten caskets and funerals to take care of and here's the thing but in the midst of that in that first chapter of Job and we know in the second chapter he was afflicted by Satan and lost his health as well but right in the middle of that we do have a good thing that happened in Job's life because Job gave God some ugly praise come on somebody oh he was praising God some pretty praise when pretty stuff was happening and when everything was going good but oh when it all fell apart and everything was ripped apart at the seams and in one day everything was gone Job said I can still give the Lord some now some ugly praise it may not make any sense but it said that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshipped God and he said naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return I didn't bring anything into this world and maybe I'm not taking nothing out he said the Lord gave and the Lord is taken away but here's what he said that was some ugly praise in a time of, of a bad situation he said no matter what's happened blessed be the name of the Lord can we bless the name of the Lord when everything is turned upside down in our life amen Job you know he went on later in the book if you read the whole book of Job he made some statements about God and against God that were not so. But he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a revelation. There was not a great revelation in the Old Testament about Satan. They didn't know anything much about him. Amen. He was only mentioned a couple of times. He's mentioned here in Job. He's mentioned... Uh, I believe it's in um, what is his first or second chronicles when it said that Satan moved David to number Israel. So he's not mentioned. That name Satan is not mentioned much in the Old Testament. wasn't really much they could do about him anyway because he still hadn't. He at that point in time hadn't been defeated. Ooh, hadn't been defeated by Calvary. We're on the other side of the cross. Somebody ought to shout Amen. I said we're on this side of the cross. There's something happened. There has something taken place. 
place uh, since Job's day, and that is that a man named Jesus went to Calvary, and he spoiled principalities, and he spoiled powers, and he crushed the head of the serpent, and he defeated the forces of Satan. Come on, somebody. And he's now filled you and I that are believers with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Yes, we have an enemy. But we, unlike Job, know how to deal with that enemy if we know the Bible. And one of the greatest things to do, though, is to praise him, to praise God, to praise the Lord, not to praise the devil. Too many people do that now. Oh, the devil's been after me all day. Bless his holy name. <laughs> but to praise the Lord in ugly situations and circumstances. Not the easiest thing in the world to do, but something that we need to do. And by the way, you know, Job's friends came. His miserable comforters came. Amen. He even called them one time. He said, you all are physicians of no value. Amen. There's a lot of them. Got license and stuff hanging on their walls today. But anyway, he said, you are nothing. You've not helped me at all. But you know, the thing was, God showed up in the end. Job didn't understand everything. He accused God of some things that God did not do. But nevertheless, God came through for him in the end. His life got attention of God. And the thing was, because of his perseverance, James says, because of Job's perseverance and because of his endurance, that we've seen the end of the Lord. We just want to talk about what Job, what happened to him. But James said, well, you have seen the end of the Lord. What was the end of the Lord? The end of the Lord was that God came on the scene and God turned the captivity of Job. Amen. So that shows you right there, God wasn't doing to Job what? Uh, Job thought God was doing. It was Satan because it was a captivity. And God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And God gave Job back twice as much as he had to begin with. He got double for his trouble. He got twice as many oxen, twice as many donkeys, twice as many sheep, twice as many camels. And he got ten kids back. Amen. His wife tried to get him to curse God and die. But she had to have ten more kids. She should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. See, we can just have fun on Sunday night, can't we? Uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise God. But Job was an ugly praiser, and God brought him through. David was another one who was an ugly praiser. Amen. The praise, he knew how to praise the Lord in ugly situations. When you read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, you find that David and his men were, were staying and were stationed at a town, at a city called Ziklag. And they were out, uh, they were out away from the city, their wives and families and all that. David and his 600 men were out, um, and uh, they were 
away from the city. And, and while they were away, the Amalekites came to Ziklag. The Amalekites, the enemy, came in and raided, raided the city of Ziklag and burned it with fire. The, the Amalekites stole all of David's stuff. All of those soldiers of his, the men, stole all. The enemy took everything they had, burned the city, took their wives captives, took their children captives, and, and, and left. Didn't kill anybody, but they took everybody captive. When David and his men come back to Ziklag, they see the smoke in the distance. They know something is not right. They get to the city and they find the city in ashes. Their, their, their families are gone. They don't know if they're dead or not. They just know that they're not there. That something terrible has happened. An enemy has come in. And the Bible said when they saw their family was gone, they saw their stuff was gone, the city was burnt with fire, that all of those men lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep. How many has ever been there? Amen. We talked about Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem this morning and, and how he sobbed and he wailed and that's what these men were doing they were weeping openly because everything has is gone they are in an ugly situation they're ready to stone David amen here's 600 guys now that were on his side that would have done anything in the world for him that were help you know would have helped him in any way but now they want to stone him it's all his fault. They're blaming him for what's happened. And it was, you know, to a degree his fault, but it wasn't all his fault. And so they are going to stone him. David's got nobody now standing with him. David's got nobody encouraging him or holding him up, but everybody has turned against him. It's a terrible situation. It's an ugly situation. But do you know what the Bible said that David did? You'll know this verse. I've preached on it before. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, it said, And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But here it is. What did David do? He gave God some ugly praise right in the middle of this. Hallelujah, it said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. He gave God some praise. You know, there's nothing that will encourage you like praising the Lord. Even when it doesn't feel, when you don't feel like it, when it makes no sense, praise will encourage you. Come on, have you ever experienced that? If you just begin to count your blessings and begin to thank the Lord for every Everything he's done in your life and do it every day. If you'll begin to worship him and tell him, tell the Lord how wonderful he is, how mighty he is, how glorious he is, how great he is and magnify his name, I'll guarantee you, you can be distressed, you can be discouraged, you can be down and out, but if you will praise the Lord, you can encourage yourself. It's good to get encouraged by somebody else, but there's not always in somebody there to encourage you but if nobody else is going to encourage you well brother Rick didn't come and pray for me or brother Rick didn't do this well call me I'll do it amen but if you can't find somebody to encourage you try to encourage yourself in the Lord try on a little ugly praise in
in the midst of that circumstance and watch God come through in your life. Come on, somebody give him a praise. Give him a pretty praise tonight. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. David called for the ephod and he inquired of the Lord. And that's what you got to do when everything's going upside down. Talk to Jesus about it. David inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I pursue them? He don't know what to do, but he's had a little soul talk with himself. He spent some time praising the Lord. Now he's encouraged. And he said, well, I'm going to find out what we can do about this. And he inquires of God and said, shall we pursue them? Will we overtake them? And God answered him. Oh, isn't it wonderful when you can pray and God will answer you. Oh, hallelujah. So much of the time we just pray and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. We don't never let God have a chance to say anything. He's trying to get a word in edgeways. Have you ever talked to somebody like, hey, you couldn't get a word in edgeways? <laughs> but, he, so, but he's inquiring of the Lord. And God answered him and God spoke to him and he said, pursue. Pursue. And he said, you will overtake them. And here's what the Lord said to David. And without fail. Now when God says without fail, that means it's going to be without fail. That means he's going to help you. Amen. He's doing something for you. And he said, you pursue them and without fail, you shall recover all. He said, nothing's going to be lost. You're going to get everything back. Everything, everything that the devil has come in and stolen, he said, go after him. Sick him, David. He said, you'll find them, and you're bringing it back. Everything will be restored. Hallelujah. God is in the restoration business. Amen. When the devil starts a messing, that's when God... God really starts blessing, and he will restore what is lost. Amen? And God did exactly what he told David that he would do. He gave them a supernatural turnaround. David and his men went after the enemy. They found the enemy. They, did, they had a conflict with the Amalekites. And praise God, just as the Lord said, they recovered everything that the enemy had stolen. They got their families back. Come on, somebody. They got their kids back. They got their wives back. They got their stuff back. Everything that the enemy had stolen. What if David would have given up? What if David would have just said, go ahead and stone me then? because I know I'm no good anyway. No, but he took some time to praise God in an ugly situation and it turned God took that praise and turned things around in his life. Amen? Woo, what about Paul and Silas? They were some ugly praisers, wasn't they? Huh? Wasn't they some ugly praisers? I mean, they go down to Philippi. God sends them there. They're, they're, they get a bunch of people saved down by the riverside. Uh, they're having revival. And there's a demon-possessed, little demon-possessed slave girl following them around everywhere they go, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God that showed us the way of salvation. These men are the servants of the Most High God and show us the way of salvation. And Paul put up with that for so long, you know. And all of a sudden, the Bible said, the New King James says, 
it this way, and Paul became annoyed with her. You ever have seen, you know, the devil can annoy you. And finally, Paul just turns around one day, and he, I can just see him. He slaps her right on top of the head and says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Come out in Jesus' name. Glory to God. And guess what happened? The, she was delivered. The demon came out. I mean, she was a fortune teller. She was making her, these dudes a lot of money, you know, telling fortunes, you know. Every time I go to Branson, how long do fortune tellers live? Because as long as I've been going to Branson, there's a hand, a palm reader. They're right on the strip, and that hand is still there every time. Do these people ever die or go out of business? <laughs> how old is this person? This girl had a spirit of divination, of python, fortune-telling, a familiar spirit. She was making her masters a lot of money. But when the devil came out, guess what? She couldn't do that no more. Oh, hallelujah. Well, it made them mad. And they took Paul and Silas and they arrested them and they beat them severely. They whipped them severely. They took them to jail and they had them thrown into the inner prison, into the inner dungeon. They fastened their feet up with, in stocks and there they are, out of revival, not able to preach, locked up in the prison in an ugly, ugly situation. They're in an ugly dungeon. They got some ugly stripes on their back. They're in pain. They're beaten black and blue, and it's ugly. And I can just imagine, Bible doesn't say it this way, but I can just imagine Paul looking over at Silas and saying this, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm just going to sing a little. <laughs> I think I'm just going to sing a little bit. I've got a psalm on my heart. I, I'm going to sing that 23rd psalm. I think I'm just going to sing a little bit. And old Paul starts singing. And you know what he's doing? He's giving praise that makes no sense. Is that what you do when you're in a dungeon with your back bleeding? No, no, no. But they didn't complain. Oh, they could have complained. Paul could have said, where's my, where's my credential card? I can't wait to send that back. And I ain't preaching no more. But he didn't do that. Amen. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to give some ugly praise. So him and Silas begin to pray. And they begin to worship. And they begin to sing hymns to the Lord. Hallelujah. They begin to sing those psalms to the Lord. Right there in the middle of an ugly situation. Just like Habakkuk. Maybe that verse came to Paul's mind. And he said, I'm going to do like Habakkuk and just praise the Lord. Lord anyhow and as they begin to praise the Lord the Bible said and I'm telling you that's the kind of praise gets God's attention that's the kind of praise that draws God's uh, draws applause from the Lord and I don't know I heard one guy say it like this one time he said well oh Paul and St Silas started singing and, they, and the prisoners heard them they were singing out loud and God's up there listening and he's really getting to liking it too and he's listening to that praise and God goes to stomping 
tapping his foot and tapping his foot and he tapped his foot so strong and so hard that it caused a great earthquake to come and the prison was shaken and all the bars flew the, the, the bars the doors flew open all the, the stocks fell off their feet and the chains off their hands praise God and every prisoner in the place was loosed I'm telling you God knows how to respond to an ugly praise and he'll do it he'll do it he'll do it hallelujah he'll do it Woo! amen Paul and Silas they're free now and uh, that you know that jailer that jailer he's going to kill himself Paul said no don't do that don't do that amen we're all here that jailer runs in see these guys the devil thought he had stopped them from having revival Paul, Paul's there Silas there that jailer runs in falls at their feet and says what do I need to do to be saved hallelujah well they took them off the streets so they couldn't have revival in Philippi so God just took revival to the jailhouse wherever you're at if you learn to praise the Lord God will show up and God will move wherever you are and praising the Lord go ahead and give him praise in ugly situations Woo! thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus amen let me let me quit let me close man I got I there's so much of this in the Scripture. What about Jonah, you know? How about old Jonah? You know him. Disobedient, prophet, gets a call from God, runs the other way, gets out of the will of God, has to spend three days in a whale motel. <laughs> that whale motel, man, that, that make the Motel 6 look like the Hilton, you know? So he's there, you know, he's in that whale's belly. You read about that in Jonah chapter 1 and 2, but he's covered with seaweed. He's in the belly of hell. He, he said that, I'm in the belly of hell. His soul fainted within him. He's near death. Um, Finest Dake and some other theologians I've read after said that they believe that Jonah actually did die in the whale's belly, and God resurrected him and raised him back up, which is very possible. Jesus did say that the sign of the prophet Jonah would be the sign that he would give three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and then he'd be resurrected. But nevertheless, his soul fainted. He was near death. But there in Jonah chapter number 2, in Jonah chapter number 2, and let me, let me just read it to you, and then we'll, we'll close. We'll go home, all right? Jonah chapter number 2, it says, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly. And he said, here he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about. He's in an ugly situation. All of your billows and your waves passed over me. But verse 4, he says, Then I said, I am cast out of your sight, but yet 
I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed in around about the weeds. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came into my, uh, come unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But look at verse 9. But I, here he is in all this ugliness. Here he is in all this mess. Here he is in the digestive juices of the whale's belly. And, and his, his skin is bleached out and seaweed is wrapped around his head. And he's in an ugly situation. But he says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay what that was. What I have vowed, salvation is unto the Lord. And the very next verse said that the Lord spake to the fish and it vomited him out, Jonah out upon the dry land. Praise God. Can you see what old Jonah did? Three days and three nights and he offered that sacrifice of thanksgiving and the whale spit him out. He was not pretty, but God brought him out. Hallelujah. Paul wrote about it in Hebrews 13. 15. Therefore by him let us offer continually the sacrifice of praise to God the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Oh in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you give him pretty praise when it's good and give him ugly praise when everything's going bad why don't you give him a hand clap of praise tonight praise God worship team worship team worship team come on back praise God oh hallelujah man I tell you what God is good amen God is good David was bringing that ark back to Jerusalem it had been in the house of Obed-Edom for for a while and God was blessing the house of Obed-Edom and David's bringing it back to Jerusalem. And David's going before that ark. And if you'll read about it, you know it said that David, they were praising God. They were shouting. They were playing instruments. And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Remember that? He was twirling. And that, that's what that word means, to be whirling and twirling before the Lord with all of his might. I mean, he was leaping and he was praising and he was dancing and he was twirling around and he was just having him. I mean, he, he danced himself out of his outer robe. He was having a spell. Amen? And his wife, Macau, she looked out the window when she saw David dancing and praising and shouting and she... She, she, she criticized him. She despised him in her heart. Kind of like those Pharisees we talked about this morning. Told Jesus, said, tell them shut up. We don't want to hear all that praise. Macau, she didn't like to hear that. And she met David when he came in and she said, you know, you were really embarrassing. You were really shameful. I'm really disgusted with you. You made a spectacle of yourself out there. I'd rather not see that again, Miss Snooty. Huh? 
You know what David said? He said, well, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. Let me paraphrase what he said. He said, I'm sorry I embarrassed you, but if you thought that praise was ugly, you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to praise him even more than that. He said this. This is what he said. He said, I will even be more undignified than this. You know, that'd be a good thing for us in a Pentecostal church to lose some of our dignity. Get a little bit undignified and do just give God some ugly praise. Hallelujah. When things are going bad and things are turned upside down. Amen. Just to praise God anyhow. Just give God praise when it makes no sense. And something will happen. I guarantee you. Something will shift. The whale will spit you out. If you'll thank him and praise him in the midst of the whale's belly. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's stand tonight. Woo! Let's lift our hands and worship Him tonight. Come on. Amen. Let's give Him some good praise tonight. Oh, 